I'll jump in whenever you want. Well, the regular season is officially over and on to the playoffs we go. The night shift with Kyle Gamar and Mike Stubbs and special guest Jim Van Horn, who, of course, does the color commentary for the London Knights with Mike. He is on the postgame show the uh, uh, after the buzzer with myself and Mike. And Jim, it is good to have you in another regular season wow. for the books. I demanded to be here, uh, so you, it was. Uh, I love this podcast, and you guys do a great job. And another regular, and isn't it a marathon? Like uh, you know, you uh, us, you know, the three of us are watching and describing. Can you imagine like the rigors of practice and playing all this? Like I give these guys so much credit for uh, this. Is the uh, the greatest training for professional hockey and it is an accomplishment making it through and here we are a division title and a two seed in the playoffs so uh, good for them but it's uh, it is a grind yeah you know what if you think about none of us talking right now have lost a tooth this year uh, have been bruised or gotten stitched up for anything that we were doing on the job. I mean, we didn't even run into a counter or anything like that. We didn't even trip going up some stairs. So it's been a very successful year for us that way. But no, you're right, Jim. This is an absolute grind. And a lot of these guys, when you're 17 years old, you're doing this really for the first time and playing the minutes that you are. It is a lesson in how to conserve. And that's why you see defensemen will show this but a defenseman as a 16-year-old and a defenseman as a 19-year-old, usually they really learn to manage those minutes. And by the time they get to be 19, even 20, they can play the whole game because they've kind of figured out how to pace themselves. But there was a lot of learning for the Knights this year in terms of pace and what this season brings when you're playing game after game after game. And a lot of the guys have come through it very, very well. Look at all the 20-goal scorers on this team. Best road record in the OHL. Most shorthanded goals in the OHL there are a lot of accomplishments in 22-23 I mean it's wildly <laughs> impressive when your road record and your home record are virtually identical it means that it, it never wavers when you go into an opposing building the 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 visiting fans, they never give you a hard time. It never gets to you. And yet you can still be as good and as dominant at home at the same time. So it just, it just shows that, you know, the nerves don't get to them. It doesn't waver. And it, that's a really good trait to have going into the postseason where home ice matters so much and being able to go into an opposing building and come out with a victory is so crucial. And for the Knights, that's going to be key going into their first round matchup against Owen Sound. Going into the Bayshore is not an easy feat. And if you can come away with a victory, maybe even two, that'll give you a really good opportunity to move on to round two. Yeah, for a relatively young team, too, uh, the things that they were able to accomplish. Uh, there's going to be most of, you know, I think 17 returnees next year. And that I don't think I included like a Will Nickel in that or or maybe even a, a Sam O'Reilly. But um, leading the conference in goals against um, and that road record, home record split that you guys talked about. And uh, not just passengers either. The young guys playing pretty big roles. A lot of minutes for Sam Dickinson, who's just otherworldly as far as a prospect and contributions from the likes of Zach Bowen and, and Jacob Julian. So they were able to cultivate younger talent, but also uh, 
you know, be one of the top teams in the conference. So achieving those in uh, concert with each other is not easy. And guys, let's remember where this season started. Let's go back to early October and let's get into the minds of Knights fans who were watching. Well, they didn't win their first game. They didn't win their first three games. Well, they're 0-4-1. Is this going to be the year when things don't go well for the London Knights? Because every junior team goes through that. Every single junior team will find a way to have an off year. It's part of the building process. It's usually in junior hockey, rebuild, grow, and then compete. Rebuild, grow, and compete. And that's the way that it goes year after year. In London, it doesn't. And that's credit to where we always place the credit. Mark Hunter, Dale Hunter, Rob Simpson, their staffs, Dylan Hunter and Rick Stedman behind the bench, and Darren McChesney is the goaltending coach. We can list off everybody who's involved, but it's a credit to them. And Jim, let's face it, that team that started the year was even in that 0-4-1 start, they were learning in behind the scenes. How much of that led to what they did over a period from early November until into January where they only lost twice. Yeah, all of that. Um, remember the first goal? I think it was uh, Sam Dickinson finally, uh, you know, uh, to Oliver Bonk and uh, two rookies, two rookie defensemen, and then Bonk scores, and it's like this big <laughs> relief. <laughs> it's like finally they got a goal. And then you would have never thought at that moment that uh, they'd be uh, putting up a banner for a division uh, title. But you're right. Uh, but the one thing that was always there is the system works. And, you know, it was uh, co coaching, co coaxing, coaching, cajoling, uh, trusting in the program and the process. And when it clicked in, 21 out of 23, I think, Mike, as you mentioned, um, it, uh, it works. The system works. There's a lot of faith in it. And it's tried and true and uh, practice. Um, one of the great things about the interview coming up with Dale is his comments about practice and about how they approach practice. And that is what results in points, ultimately, and the system turning around, turning things around. But this tremendous ironclad belief in the room that what we're doing here, uh, it works if uh, there's total buy-in, and there was, and uh, here we are as a two seed after a start that uh, had a lot of people, you know, raising eyebrows. And um, like you said, it was, it was a, a shaky start, but quickly turned around and then a long successful run and an accomplishment um, before we get, you know, into the uncertain world of the playoffs. It's uh, I think it's good to reflect on uh, for the current players and those coming in that, you know what, what they do here, it actually works. And um you collect young players from all over the world, essentially, and bring them together and all have different backgrounds and all were prime players on their teams. And they come here and then it's almost back to the beginning of uh, it's like entering, you know, college, I guess, or post-secondary school. And you've got to kind of tear everything down and rebuild it again to learn the professional way. And you heard the comments from all those who came before them. Um Rick Nash and, and Mitch Marner. And if that doesn't, you know, kind of make you buy in, um, nothing will. And the system, it does, it does work. And they've, uh, they've certainly done it over and over and over. 
They really have. And, you know, let's just, you know, t- you talked about raising eyebrows and that's kind of where I want to move on to here over the course of the season. You know, we knew some of the, the regulars that, you know, we're going to contribute to this team guys like Sean McGurn. And when you bring in a George Diaco, you expect great things of him as well. But, you know, there were a lot of players this year that really elevated themselves and raised eyebrows. And we talked about the 20 goal scorers and, you know, I guess Jim, we'll go back to you and then maybe over to Mike here, but who was, someone that kind of surprised you this season pleasantly. I mean, I, I know my guy and I don't know how much of a feature he'll become postseason, but I think he's going to be a very big player moving forward for this team. But was there someone to you throughout the entire year that, that just pleasantly surprised you and really earned and solidified their way onto an important role with this team? Yeah, I guess it would be uh, Zach Bowen, um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, giving us a glimpse of uh, perhaps the post brochure years uh, and was able to uh, really put together an, uh, as impressive a young goaltender season as, as anyone. So he'd probably be my guy. And boy, when they needed uh, some solid goaltending uh, from someone other than brochure, boy, he really provided brochures some a little bit of support, little rest. And uh, I guess from the standpoint of coming from nowhere, that would be my guy, Zach Bowen. I've got to go Easton Cowan. Coming into this year, I was asked this on an OHL podcast for the unsung hero on the London Knights. And he was it because if you break down their roster and you look at it, you are looking at George Diaco and Sean McGurn. You're looking at Denver Barkey, a first-round pick, Ruslan Gazazov. You're looking at these guys being able to score goals and create offense. Easton Cowan had scored some highlight real goals with the Kamoka Kings, so he'd given some glimpses. But I don't think we realize the completeness of his game and the work ethic that he brings and how relentless he is in the offensive zone on the forecheck. And that stuff makes such a difference. So, yes, amazing to see him get 20 goals, but his contributions go far outside of 20 goals. And he's somebody that's going to be a difficult person to deal with in the playoffs for the way that he plays, for his willingness to be physical. He's getting bigger and his ability to score when he gets in tight to the net. So I'd go Easton Cowan. I, I love Easton Cowan. I think his shot has really developed into, you know, you see as a, an NHL caliber shot and it's been a lot of fun getting a chance to watch him. The guy for me this year, especially from what he started with versus what you know we see now is Jacob Julian. Jacob Julian is a guy who did not start in the original roster for this team who came in and he had all the size. He had all the talent. It was all there. But I think it was up until one, he scored a shorthanded goal where he shoved a defender off his back, then beat him to the puck, then protected the puck, drove the net, and did a silky backhand to get around the goaltender and put it top shelf. And that's the moment of confidence that I saw from a guy like Jacob Julian, where I knew he was going to be a figure moving forward with this team. And once that confidence started, it just never really stopped for him to a point where he was playing some big minutes with some big players and now is going to be potentially an X factor on this team moving forward into the playoffs. And he's one of those guys that he's going to be a very big part of this team come next year, but that's not taken away from how important he's going to be this coming postseason as well. Well, what a great pick. And that's, that is a player who is just realizing still game by game practice by practice, what he can do. 
And when he does realize that, and Jim, I think we saw that in Windsor where he almost shrugged off a defender. And you think this guy is somebody who is going to have good size. He is 6'3". He's going to come in next year as a 19-year-old, but he's going to come in probably at 185 pounds, maybe pushing 190 pounds and is somebody that is going to have that physical presence on the ice and his IQ. You've loved Jacob Julian from the beginning because when he gets the puck, he already knows what he's doing with it next. It's not, all right, I have the puck. Now let's look around and see. He already knows exactly what he's going to do. Great brain, great IQ, and somebody who is going to have a splash in the postseason for sure because you need players when your top guys are facing the top two defensemen on a on a, a really good team. You need other guys to come through, and he's going to be one of those guys that has that opportunity. Yeah, he's very smart. He created the first goal to uh, Jackson Edward with some physical play. When he learns and gets more confidence on his uh, ability to use that size and his uh, skating, um, he's really going to impact the game. And he's got a lot of, as we say, tongues wagging uh, at the NHL level too. And he's one of those guys in his uh, U16 year would have been lost in a COVID shuffle. And uh, that is really one of the formulas uh, of the Knights over the years is they've been able to unearth players from free agents, free agency, or just they do not dismiss anyone in terms of being able to uh, have an impact on that team. Here's a guy who was a U18 draft pick and uh, right in their backyard. And he has got, uh, got an intriguing, intriguing package of uh, size, skill, grit determination and everything so i think you're going to see him i think he's going to be an nhl draft pick i really do and uh you know he's uh, a guy you can really say you know take your next year take even an overage year to get that experience because it's down the road when you're 23 24 he's going to be a load yeah i, I mean i completely agree i think you know uh, the size really really factored in and he's just one of those guys too and we saw you know some players who were higher picks from this team who did eventually get moved out and they've gone on to be fairly successful with their new teams and sometimes fit just matters and sometimes a, a personality fits in better with a certain locker room and i think we've seen that so far from jacob julian let's talk about the the season in in which encompassed the knight's all these roller coasters of up and downs from starting 04 and one to winning 23 of 25 games to battling for first place and eventually setting up a first round matchup with the Owen sound attack, the roller coaster, Mike, you would mention one thing at the beginning of the season and that you don't buy into the day to day because it's exhausting as a hockey fan to nitpick every single little thing about a junior team knowing that by the end of the season normally breaks out or pans out the way you would expect it to. But if you focus in too much on it, it kind of, it loses its, you, you almost lose a little bit of enjoyment along the way. Yeah. Riding the roller coaster is tough. Some fans love to do it. And if you can do it, Hey, do it. But after a while you start feeling a little queasy. So this is <laughs> a, a team that has had three, eight game winning streaks this is a team that, sure, they will even tell you they would have loved to have been the Sarnia Sting and gone unbeaten in 17 consecutive games ending the season. It 
except for the the final Saturday night on the schedule for Sarnia. Their unbeaten streak came to an end. But everybody wants to be playing like that. That wasn't the case, and they had to work through some confidence things. But this last weekend, I think, was good for them, where even though they lost to the Windsor Spitfires, you got some rest for some guys on a Saturday, so they didn't have to play three games in three days. And the Knights went out and won. And that that just seemed to ignite everybody. And you can look at some of the videos that they've posted on their socials, the dancing around in the room. These guys are still having fun for whatever reason. The puck would go in. They'd give up the first goal. And, Jim, when you do that, and we can point to Windsor and Ottawa. We can even look at London's record after two periods. Windsor and Ottawa lead the OHL. Windsor is 37-0-0-1 when they're leading after two. Ottawa is 41-0-0-0. This is what good teams do. They get ahead, and then they stay ahead. And the London Knights, for a period of uh, Baker's dozen of games, 13 games, I think scored the first goal in the game three times. And so that has been maybe four with with yesterday, uh, or maybe four with Sunday. But it wasn't all the time. And so you're you're changing your game. You're chasing, and then that started to affect their confidence. And I think that's why we saw what we did over most of the month of March. So the fact that this team got a couple of wins toward the end of the year, Jim, how much of a difference do you think that can make just mentally? Because I think that's really all that it was for these guys. They have shown they can win. It was just the the between-the-ears stuff they were working through. Yeah, when you look back, um, certainly uh, if you draw a line as to maybe where uh, things may have changed, that Windsor performance on a Saturday night with a bunch of young kids uh, stepping in front of Michael Levin blocking shots, (laughs) you know, um, and tying up. This was a Windsor team that wanted a win. They wanted to get uh, one of their players, the 50th goal, Shane Wright's in the lineup, and a bunch of young kids had him 4-1 after two. I mean, it was impressive. Um, how many goals were out of the lineup for the London Knights? And they scored six. And they, except for a shot from center ice, held Windsor to uh, to two um, with that kind of lineup. And all of a sudden, I think it just, it was enough to change, um, a, just flip a switch. Wait a minute. We are, we are what we are. We are a pretty good hockey club. And, and I was so impressed with that performance Saturday night. And then you saw a different texture of game on Sunday, just that extra bit of confidence. Um, And when you, you know, when you get that team all pulling in the same uh, direction, even young guys coming in like uh, Sam O'Reilly or Will Nickel or whatever, and you beat the Windsor Spitfires in their barn on a, you know, a big event stage like that with the third largest crowd in the history of the building there and everybody's against you and, a bunch of kids uh, stepping in front of shots. And I think that was the breaking point in a better, in a good way of saying, Oh, okay, this is, uh, you know, cause over the season, you do see these sparks, right? You do see the three, nothing comeback against Sarnia and, and the win in overtime, the, the comebacks and the very good stretch of games that they had. Uh, and now it would appear that psychologically um, there was something that happened that put the Knights back into a better headspace, it would appear, uh, heading into round one. And we will see, uh, because ultimately you have to do it on the ice, but um, that Windsor game on the final night for Windsor, on the final Saturday, 
I think we'll look back and tell a story about that in, in, a few, in, uh, in maybe in a- analyzing this season. I think so too. I think that uh, could very well be a, a defining moment, but you know, f- for the London Knights, they get ready for a matchup against the Owen sound attack this coming Friday, game one at 7 PM game two Sunday at 2 PM. You know, the Knights not last year were a high seed as well. They went into it as the favorites. You could say against the Kitchener Rangers Kitchener came in and found a way to win in seven games and move on. And you know, I wonder if there's a sense of London being a different team this year. Mike, do you get that sense that, you know, this Knights team this year is just maybe a little different than last year's club? Definitely a little different. Uh, You've got three guys who won an OHL championship. That's big. The other thing they are is at this point, and knock on whatever wood is nearby, they're healthy. Because remember last year, yes, they did lose to the Kitchener Rangers in overtime in Game 7, but Brett Brochu just came back to the lineup to start that series. Logan Mayu did not play, out for the year. Isaiah George did not play, out with an injury. And so that made a difference. And right now, the London Knights, instead of seeing guys go out of the lineup, started getting guys back into the lineup. Landon Sim is back. Denver Barkey is back. Ethan McKinnon is back. All of them missed some time down the stretch. And so that is, that's a big part of this. Plus the year of experience. It's good to lose in overtime of a game seven because you'll hear Dale Hunter talk about this. And one of the reasons why he incorporates NHL video into his video sessions, you want the guys to see Patrice Bergeron make a mistake because it happens. Patrice Bergeron makes mistakes and you think, no, 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 he's, he is one of the most responsible players in NHL history, first ballot Hall of Famer. He doesn't make mistakes. He makes mistakes. But as Dale will talk about when we, we hear the interview that we did with him celebrating 900 wins, what does Patrice Bergeron do after he makes that mistake? And so those are the things that these guys can look at saying, hey, we've been to overtime in game seven, didn't go our way, but We got up the next day, we had a successful season the next year, and it's not going to be as intimidating as maybe it was last year. Well, the one thing you really have to do uh, in the playoffs is uh, match the other team's uh, emotional energy and and even overcome it. And uh, I think that's uh, the Knights last year, this Kitchener team was just uh, in a frenzy wanting to beat the London Knights. And they got to a an emotional level that it, it it just seemed hard for the Knights with their circumstances to match. And uh, they'll have to do the same with this Owen Sound team because Owen Sound, I mean, look at the circumstance they were in. They had to go on the road without Colby Barlow and win in two tough buildings to grab a, a matchup with London. And uh, that's impressive. And I think, um, you know, you, you better be ready to uh, kind of match their emotional edge and energy and uh, if, if they can do that, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be okay. They'll at least play well. That's the idea right now. And um, let the chips fall where they may. But you cannot uh, allow a team to kind of outwork you or out, uh, you know, want it more than you. And uh, that's the challenge in front of the uh, London Knights right now. Whatever happened last year, use it as motivation. Use it as, wait a minute, we're not going to be a two seed and go down for two straight years and uh, use it as a driving force to your uh, to your playoff upcoming 
No, it's that is going to be a lot of fun. And and as we get ready for that matchup, let's talk about it. Owen Sound, London Knights, they split the uh, season series, but a lot of very pivotal moments from those games within the season series. And, you know, Mike, you talk about, you know, the Knights coming off of a victory, which then started a stretch of 23 of 25 games. There were games where London went into Owen Sound and got beat 7-2, and that was early on. You had games where Owen Sound came to London, and London put a big beat down on Owen Sound. Essentially, it's kind of one of those, you don't really know what's going to happen until the puck drops. No, it will be just like that. The Knights... 1-4-1 1-4-1 on November 5th to start that run that we were talking about from November the 5th until January the 7th, where they only lost two games. You aren't going to know what's going to happen. What is the health of Colby Barlow, who is the most dangerous offensive player on the Owen Sound attack, one of the most dangerous guys in the league? Uh, Carter George is a very good goaltender who's very young and has been with the St. Mary's Lincolns. He can't join Owen Sound until that happens. Uh, Nick Chenard and Corbin Votary are the more veteran guys, Nick Chenard for sure. So what happens there in terms of who plays in goal? Corbin Votary played the final game of the year for the Owen Sound attack. Do they go with the ultimate veteran in Nick Chenard? Uh, where does Carter George fit in? There's a lot of question marks for the Owen Sound attack. For the London Knights, it will just be about prepping for this one team, and they'll be as prepared as they can be. And Dale Hunter said it after the game, Owen Sound is going to be very prepared. They have a, a coach that knows how to get that emotional content out of them, that emotional quotient out of them, and that's Greg Walters. Does a great job in Owen Sound. So it's it's going to be fun. We'll preview it at length later on this week, and I can't wait. Jim, yeah, the yeah, the, uh, the, the well, the attack are um, you know as they say playing with house money. This is a bonus uh, for them. I, I think they're um, you know you look at the standings and uh, they're at seven. And uh, there was a time when they were talking about home ice in round one uh, at at one point this year with the attack, and then they went through their uh, they went through through their struggles. But they are a growing team. They're going to have pretty much. Everybody back, I think, uh, next year. They've got a lot of returnees and some high-end returnees. So I think they're going to be wild and free in this first round. So you'll you'll have to, you know, you'll have to deal with that because uh, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. And um, here they are. Nobody's expecting us. That sort of underdog mentality, I guess, similar to what you uh, saw with Kitchener last year. Although I think Kitchener was a bit older. Uh, and they had they had guys that just wanted to beat London. That's that's the that was why they breathed the air, <laughs> you know, uh, was to live to beat London. And and uh, one sound you know much the same, um, you know. But uh, if if you're the Knights, you're looking at just a young, energetic team. You want to, as I say, match that intensity. And um, it's going to be interesting. Colby Barlow is is their game breaking uh, talent. And uh, obviously he is not, I don't think, or maybe they want him a hundred percent. Maybe that's why they rested him. But uh, boy, you know, you really, they, they don't have a wide range of offensive uh, options beyond him. Uh, they do have some really good players. Uh, they have to get uh, some um, offense out of uh, Sam Sedley. And, uh, and now Petrovsky has had a big weekend. He's starting to score, but uh, they'll be, They'll be hardworking, as Mike said, and, uh, you know, as far as a game plan, it's the old, same old, same old, you know, getting 
getting your team ready, getting pucks to the net. And, um, you know, I think Owen Sound's going to be loosey-goosey and and the Knights will have to sort of embrace the favorite role instead of uh, instead of running from it. Yeah, they're not getting away with any underdog cards. That is for sure. Uh, quick notes on the season. Of course, overage players, including George Diaco, Sean McGurn, and Brett Brochu, they played their final regular season games for the London Knights. Uh, we mentioned this on the post-game show after the buzzer. Quick hits on what you saw from those guys and how much they meant to this team. Leadership. It has been leadership from the beginning. Uh, George Diaco coming in was able to show by example, this is the level you've got to hit. Sean McGurn born and bred as a London Knight and bred for the moment that he had this year, new career high in points and just a, a fantastic guy to have on and off the ice. So good along the wall. So good at making plays. And Brett Brochu goes down as one of the greatest goaltenders in London Knights history. Number two all-time wins. And a guy who was the OHL goaltender of the year and represented Canada at the World Juniors. So pretty impressive for a guy who came to camp as a 17-year-old hoping to maybe win a backup job. Handling the ups and downs. Uh, you know, the uh, highs and lows. Uh, Dale will talk about this in a few minutes. But just that... Um, that ability to, regardless of uh, what happened in any individual game, tomorrow's a new day. You get to that level that you just always improve. Your every day is a chance to get better, and uh, their paths are really um, interesting because uh, nobody gave these three guys anything, um, and they earned their way into this position. And it was great to see them honored. But um, you know, a sixth-round pick uh, for Brochu. Um, and McGurn, a third round pick who had to bide his time and Diaco playing junior B, then, you know, going to Hamilton and again, biding his time, waiting for his chance. But these guys embody what it takes to uh, become excellent players in this league and, a f and full credit to wonderful careers for each one of them. Two sixth and two third round selections are going to be essentially keys to the driving force for the London Knights as they head into the postseason. But before we finish off and head over to the man who everyone was celebrating yesterday at Budweiser Gardens, Dale Hunter becomes just the third winningest coach or the uh, third coach ever to get to 900 victories in the Ontario Hockey League. He did it Saturday night with a win in Windsor. He's got 901 now. He is just six shy back of second all time. Again, we mentioned this on the pod before we get to Dale. 900 wins, Mike. That is, you don't get there by lucking your way. That's for sure. No, no. And Dale will give credit to everybody but himself. But honestly, he is one of the absolute legendary coaches in hockey for the way that he understands people, the way that he understands players, and his patience. His patience is so important. This is someone who is never going to make a snap decision. It's always an educated decision. And he also has that gut instinct that comes in handy. And that gut instinct has helped him to win Memorial Cups and 
world junior gold and OHL championships, little maneuvers in behind the bench. Let's just get this team going. He only wants the best for his players. Nothing about this is about him. It is for his players. And that's why you saw Rick Nash and Corey Perry and Luke Evangelista and Mitch Marner talking so highly of him in that final video that celebrated 900 wins because that's what it's about. It's about the players. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, bringing the uh, sort of work ethic of an agricultural family to the hockey rink in every way in terms of developing talent like you would, uh, you know, planting seeds and watering them and being patient and watching them grow and all up at 6 a.m. to get to work, watching video. You will see his truck there outside Budweiser Gardens, and that's what he's doing. Uh, he can't. He tells you he can't sleep past, you know, the when the rooster crows, <laughs> and uh, he's in there uh, working at it at this all the time, and uh, no accident that, uh, as you said, Mike, nine hundred just didn't um, didn't fall off the truck, and somebody picked it up. It was. Uh, they, they did it the right way, um, unrelenting on just what is the right way and, uh, and being able to show the players of uh, all backgrounds that this works. We can get you there. And uh, I think anybody who, who uh, you know, buys in uh, benefits. And, uh, you know, they're going to write – I mean, they're writing the, – it's the golden days right now. And uh, – I know Knights fans enjoy it and respect it, and uh, you saw the tribute uh, yesterday. It was a great moment, one of the great moments in Knights history when Dale had to, even Dale had to crack a smile and wave to the fans at a standing ovation after that wonderful video. And uh, even the Rangers were, uh, imagine that, even Kitchener, a few Kitchener <laughs> players were tapping their stick, and of course Dennis Weidman's over there clapping, and uh, Mike McKenzie too, and totally respected around the league and, and rightly so. Well, we love it. Uh, we love getting a chance to watch Dale and, and, you know, I came in a little bit later, obviously, but uh, I know I relish every single moment. I get a chance to watch him coach and watch this team. And speaking of Dale, gentlemen, you guys had an opportunity to catch up with him to discuss, you know, his, his time getting to that mark and just really, uh, you know, capturing that conversation with him. Absolutely. And it started simply with just a big old congratulations. It's enjoyable. You're dealing with a game of hockey as a game. And uh, the old thing that you uh, play hockey, you don't work hockey, you know? So definitely it's, uh, it's been fun. You're dealing with young kids and getting them, try to get them to the next level. And, uh, and they enjoy the game. You see it, uh, you know, everything's new to them when they first come. And by the end, they exactly know uh, how to play the game and how to play it properly. Patience is something that's hard to have in today's world. And patience is something that's hard to have maybe in the sports world. Fans will sometimes get on that roller coaster. There's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows. How do you maintain that even keel and, and stay big picture? Yeah, yes. You know, it's, you know, I think you come from a player. If you, if you ride the wave that you're so low when you're not playing well or, or so high when you play well, it's a hard roller coaster. It's hard in your emotions. So even if you're playing well, you got to say, I could have did this more. I could have had this more. I could have did this more. If you're, if you're uh, playing bad, you just can, you can say, well, gee, the puck just missed my stick. I would have had a goal. It just bounced over. Just bad luck. So you keep it even. You go just 
And it, it just comes from practice where you try to say, hey, I, I go out every day and try to get better, and, and uh, that's the only thing you can control. You know that there's that end goal out there. Sometimes it's hard for young guys to see it. How do you help them to say, you know, don't you guys ride the up and down? Does it go back to being able to say, hey, I've been there before. I know how it feels as a player. Yeah, you know, you do. You know, we've all been in 20-goal game goalless streaks or, you know, something like that. And it, it is hard. The last thing you, you, you think about all the time is, well, geez, we're going to score next game. But, but it's more like you got to go, yeah, yeah, just keep doing the right things. i got opportunities. They will come. So And it comes in practice. Again. And I, I really believe you, if you're not scoring in practice, if you're, if you're, you're not doing the little things in practice, it's not going to go to your game So in a, in a game. So it's uh, just basically from there, keep it going, push, push. If, if I see you score in practice, it's going to be a matter of time that you're going to score in a game. London Knights head coach Dale Hunter joining us. Dale, in developing young players, something that you notice being around the London Knights is that guys go into situations when they're ready to go into situations. What gives you the idea that they're ready? Does it go back to practice? Yeah, it definitely does. There, Subzi, uh, you know, you watch in practice, and sometimes uh, after practice, we'll go in and talk about practice, who did well in practice, who didn't do well, and especially the young guys. Then we'll go, ooh, he's turned the corner. Like, this guy is showing some speed, put our top D on their heels. So definitely, you know, you see where, oh, he might do that in a game. Or you go out and you score a bunch of goals, like, in just the warm-ups. And you go, ooh, he's shooting better now. He's coming. He's coming. So, and uh, you can see where they're getting better. And they understand the D zone better. The old, Just by overseeing it over and over again all year. By now, they're still kids. They're going to make mistakes. But now they know their own mistakes and we don't have to correct them. You know, they'll go right back. They don't have to look at the iPad. Yeah, that was, I should have been in that defensive position. And they don't have, we don't have to even say it. Yeah, that should have been me. <laughs> you have watched the game develop and, and go through some changes. The amount of video that you end up watching. Is the game still different? Are you still noticing new things? Yeah, you do. You know, like you, you watch the NHL games and we were watching the other night there that we take different stuff from we we changed our d zone a little bit like the boston bruins they've been successful and so just do a little bit of you know tweaking like that because they got the you know the best analytic department this and what's the odds of this happening so i think every junior coach will will steal drills steal ideas from nhl teams and that's got to be neat for the guys to look at when you're saying okay just a second we're we're doing you know not necessarily what we need you guys to we're doing what the boston bruins are doing yeah yeah definitely you know we showed boston video this morning already and uh and it, it, it they like to see it it's bergeron marchand you know and and then we showed oh this they they, they make mistakes too it's okay to make mistakes is what you do after and then uh, or Mar- uh one of the players marchand or bergeron made a mistake but then he stood back and blocked the shot so it's what you do after you know, if you're desperate to try to stop it, then you made a mistake. It happens in the hockey, and it's, it's what you do after. And we're just showing it that they do make mistakes. So it's okay to make mistakes. It's what you do after. A lot of ways to impact the game. Yes, it is. <laughs> Dale, one last thing, and that is, you know, the run that you've had, the things you've been able to do. Do you ever allow yourself to sit back and, and think about it, or, or are you still interested to see what's next? No, you always, you know, it, it, hockey keeps you on your toes, and uh, you always you enjoy it. But it, 
you know, as far as the past stuff, it's enjoyable to see, you know, kids come back. And I see them. Scott Arson brought three his three little kids in, there in the coach's room the other day. And I go, gee, Scott, that's a big change, you know. And it, it makes you laugh. Just not him. It's all, a lot of them come back, you know. Josh Bullio, that's you know, years ago, he played in the Mem Cup team years ago. And, and he, he has a little boy that's outstanding, you know. So it's like, and, or Hooley, Chris Hool, he has a... He has a goalie that he comes in here and plays a little stick hockey in our dressing room, and he's a good goalie, you know. Uh, so it, it does make you laugh, you know, and you see Corey on there, you see Kaner on TV. So we all follow him. Luke playing right now. We clip little things to show the boys. Look at Luke taking the body and everything like that. So it makes it fun. <laughs> Dale, congratulations. Thanks for this. Okay, thanks, Steph. That is Dale Hunter, Knights head coach. Here, and- here. He relives some of the things that he has accomplished. You can't put 900 wins into six minutes, that's for sure. But look at the end where he's talking about seeing Scott Arson and Josh Beaulieu and their families now and Chris Houle and and their kids. And that's it. It's been a family atmosphere from the beginning. That's another part of the success. And it will continue to be a family atmosphere because of the family values the Hunter family has brought to this organization. Makes me very happy seeing seeing that. And, you know, I, I remember I used to, I lived at a different spot before now, but I lived near uh, Wortley Village. And every now and then I'd see Mark Hunter walking around grocery shopping. I'd see Mark and Dale sometimes at the old, um, I forget the name of the restaurant, but it's it's right down in Wortley Village. It's it's known as their spot. They like to go there. It's well known. And and they uh, it's it really is a community and they are as embedded to it as you could possibly imagine. And it's uh, it's it's really great hearing from them and, and hearing seeing all the success that goes down and all the hard work. And it just it really is amazing. Great stuff about practice, right? And you forget, it's certainly not the Allen Iverson version. I mean, it is so important, and it speaks to just doing doing it the right way. It is grinding it out, getting together, and, and making sure that even the habits at practice are absolutely the right way. So it's great to hear. Well, gentlemen, that is it for the podcast today. Again, thank you to Dale Hunter for coming on. Jim, thank you to you for coming on and basically living the entirety of the season. You know, we <laughs> made the joke. None of us had a, a puck to the puck to the mouth or puck to the teeth. And we all came out. But, you know, you guys do an amazing grind all year long at going on the road with this team, going at home and 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 following and calling each and every single game. So uh, thank you, Jim, for for being a part of our post game show and coming on the podcast multiple times. And uh, we're going to gear up and be ready to go for Friday. Well, I always enjoy it. Thanks, guys, for having me.